when you hear the phrase, God's sovereignty, what thought or images come to mind? As we start, let's take a moment to carefully consider these questions. Are you truly acknowledging and honoring God's sovereignty? What does it mean to you? Is it merely one fundamental aspect of your beliefs? Or does it have a significant impact on your everyday life, your family, and your church community? This morning, we are continuing our sermon series, God Direct, God's Wisdom, God's Way. And we will explore the topic of God's sovereignty. It is a big theme, so I will focus on human attitude towards God's sovereignty rather than looking into it extensively at this time. Today's uh, scripture passage is Proverbs 16, verses 1 to 9. To humans belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighted by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, He causes their enemies to make peace with them. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps, the word of the Lord. Our God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-good, and present everywhere. He is the creator and possesses supreme and absolute authority over all things. He has the power to create, sustain, and control all things. He can accomplish anything he desires. His divine will is perfect, and His love is unchanging. His plans are ultimately for the good of His creation and for His glory. He has predetermined the eternal destiny of individuals and has control over salvation and the ultimate fate of people. He knows what is best for his people, 
and is actively involved in the course of human life and history, directing, directing it according to his divine purpose. God and his ways are beyond human comprehension. So Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. On the other hand, we are his creation. We have our own personalities and backgrounds. God calls us by name. Our life path or ways are all different because we are unique and God leads us in the way that best suits for each, other, each one of us. Even on a personal level, our views of life and the world at the age of 5, 15, 30, 50, and 80 are all different. If you still hold the same view of the life and the world that you had at the age of 5, your life will be very tough. Christian children may not understand and can get upset when their requests are not accepted by their parents because in their view, what they think is reasonable and right. Parents try to help their children understand why but this is not an easy task because it is so hard for a child to see or understand things beyond their own experiences. If a child is so confident in their idea and decides to stand against their parents, it will become even more difficult. This often happens because their perspectives are limited by their life experiences and knowledge based on their age. Each one of us has their own knowledge, experiences, and views. We see things from a limited human perspective through our own lenses. None of us possesses a full understanding of God and His ways. Our understanding of God and His ways is very limited. It is so hard for us to see or understand things beyond our own experiences and knowledge. God's Spirit resides in us and leads us in the way that the best suits each one of us. So when we humbly put together what we know from the Lord, respecting and loving others. We can see more, learn more, and gain a deeper understanding from each other, and fostering a better comprehension of God and His ways. This is one of God's great blessings for us in unity, humility, and love. 
But the problem arises when people dismiss others' views as wrong, stands, stands against them, and hold contempt toward them, insisting that only their own perspective is correct. This would be like placing themselves in the position of God, who is all-knowing. In other words, this would be like exercising a form of sovereignty over others, which is not ours. This is sin. We are not all-knowing or all-powerful. We may say, I'm living and acting as, as the Bible says. Yes, that is how we are supposed to live. However, what the Bible says and how you interpret it can often differ. The truth and your views of it can also differ. Haven't you experienced an aha moment when you read the same scripture passage that you already did before? Haven't you also had an aha moment when you talk with believers from other cultures about the scripture passages that you thought you knew so well? Your current understanding of the truth is not complete. Our spiritual journey of learning and growing in the knowledge of God is a lifelong process. It won't be complete even at the end of our lives because our God is beyond human comprehension. However, some Christians are so confident in their perspectives and ideas that they blame and judge others who have different views. They even say, I will correct you. If you don't like it, you can leave. They are playing God. They are acting as if they are sovereign over others, despite their incomplete and limited abilities. Suppose that your kids have a wrong idea about what the Bible says. Let's say they don't even want to believe in God. Would you say to your kid, you are wrong, I will correct you. If you don't like it, you can leave. Of course not. You would sincerely and gently communicate with them and pray for them. You would do everything you could with the help from the Lord. No matter how long it takes, you would patiently wait until they truly see and meet Christ in you and in their lives. You would continue to talk, enjoy food, and spend time together with them. Why would you do this way? 
the only possible answer would be this. You truly love your kids. It is necessary and important for you to have your own ideas and understanding. We need to assess what is right or wrong based on what we know to pursue a godly life. But it becomes a totally different matter when you place your thoughts in the position of absolute truth and begin to challenge others based on them. If you are tempted to blame or judge others and want them to leave because they disagree with you on a particular issue, the problem may not be the issue itself. The fundamental issue may lie in our unloving heart. You may not love them as the Lord has loved you. None of us blame or tell our family members to leave because they, are wrong, they have wrong ideas or are immature in their faith. We would continue to love them and help them see the truth in a loving way. We are, Ripper Park Church, we are an eternal spiritual family in Christ, characterized by love. Suppose your brother at your church here has a wrong idea about God's teachings on some issues. Do you believe that our God is all-knowing and all-powerful and that he can accomplish anything he desires? Do you truly believe that God still loves him and can lead him on the right path at the right time? and in the right way? Do you believe the Lord is sovereign over all of this? Why then are some Christians so eager to pray God and intervene intervene in God's sovereignty? Once again, the issue itself may not the problem. The fundamental issue may lie in our unloving heart, where pride and arrogance in our own convictions may be at the root. Here is the bigger problem. Many Christians often intentionally shape their own God and Bible as if they are building their own image of God instead of embracing God as who He is, they tend to pick and choose what they like, making a God that aligns with their own preferences and earthly benefits. They think, I can accept a God who is like this, 
But I will reject a God who is like that. They keep shaping a God who supports their plans and ideas, helps them as they want, makes them feel good, and agrees with their views and ways. Their view of God is not based on who God truly is, but rather on who they wish God to be. They also think, I love this verse, but I don't like that verse. My situation is different, and I don't think that verse applies to me. In doing so, they are making their own Bible that supports their own ideas. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Yet, they still determine how often and how to worship God based on their personal comfort and preference. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. However, they worship God only Sundays and forget about Him during the weekdays. Matthew 22, 37 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your minds. But their priorities remain on their own agendas. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But they still seek first what they want for their own kingdom. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But they still focus on serving themselves and loving their neighbors and brothers and sisters in their church community remains the lowest priority. Romans 12.6 says, We have a different gift according to the grace given to each of us. But they are not interested in using their gift for his people and community. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, All of you close yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. But they are still more interested in pursuing their pride and control over others. I'm going to stop here. In essence, they are essentially crafting their own version of God and the Bible, attempting to exercise sovereignty over their own lives to satisfy their earthly desires. 
They are rejecting the true God and making a God in their own image. Of course, we don't need to talk about the result of doing that. It didn't happen suddenly today. It has been like that from the beginning. In the time of Jesus, many Jewish people faced challenges in understanding and accepting Jesus and his teachings. Eventually, they rejected him and crucified him. There are several reasons. Many Jewish people of that time anticipated a Messiah who would be a powerful political and military figure, liberating them from Roman rule. However, Jesus emphasized a spiritual kingdom rather than an earthly one, which, mis- which misaligned with their expectations and led to rejection. Jewish religious leaders, particularly those within established Jewish authorities, resisted Jesus because his teachings teachings challenged traditional interpretations of the law and the established religious order. His approach to religious authority and practices differed from contemporary Jewish norms. Jesus' teachings also challenged challenged the existing power structures, both religious leaders and political leaders, who benefited from the status quo, viewed Jesus as a threat to their authority and resisted his message. Jesus introduced a great shift in understanding God and his kingdom, emphasizing love, grace, forgiveness, and spiritual formation. This departure from certain traditional views was difficult for them to grasp or accept. In summary, they rejected God because Christ differed from their own image of God, and what Jesus taught was different from their expectations. They wanted to maintain their existing authority and resisted anything that threatened them. Their own ideas about God, His kingdom, and salvation occupy their heart, leaving no room for the true God and the truth. As a result, they chose to crucify Jesus rather than follow him. We can observe many similarities between today and the time of Jesus. People tend to formulate their own ideas about God based on their own agendas. 
If God's teaching is different from their expectations or interferes with their preferences, they consider it as a threat and resist it. People's hearts are often preoccupied with their own image of God and their own agendas. And there is no room for the true God and the truth. People have been repeating similar sinful life patterns even though their disappointment and struggle continue. My question is, what is in your heart? Our God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good. His will is supported by His ability. He has, a, he has the power to do whatever He desires. He loves us and has our best interest at heart. Regardless of our circumstances, He can be trusted to work all things together for our ultimate good and for His glory. God is teaching us through His words. His intention is not to give us more work to do on our life journey, but to lighten our burdens by inviting us to surrender all to Him. There is nothing, nothing that gives us strength and confidence like understanding our sovereign God. We are human beings. When you experience failure, make mistakes, or mess up your lives, God won't be surprised and is looking for a plan B. He will weave even your failings into His plan and work through all situations. It is not possible for you to fail on your spiritual journey because our God never fails. We always need to remind us of a total, our total inability to pursue God and His kingdom on our own. You should stop creating your own God and Bible and filling your heart with your selfish desires and expectations. You should let go of your agendas. Our hearts should not be focused on acquiring temporary success and prosperity in this broken world that leads us to despair. You are on a continuous journey towards something greater that God designed for your life. You need to place your full trust 
in our sovereign God and live in humble dependence on the Lord. Let's look at our Lord Jesus. When he was here on earth, even though he is God, he humbly chose to live as we do. Even though he is the perfect God, Jesus gave his highest priority to his relationship with his heavenly Father. He lived every day in full dependence on his heavenly Father and trusted him. Everything he did was done in God the Father, working through him. Why on earth, Jesus said, myself, I can do nothing. I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me on what to say and how to say it. Our perfect Lord lived in such a way. We are not God, but mere humans. We are in great need of following his examples. When you surrender all things to sovereign God, the Lord will be with you and walk with you and guide you. Not only guide you, he will also empower you and establish every step you take. Then you will find ultimate peace and rest in his sovereignty throughout your whole journey. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the reminder of your sovereignty in your word today. Help us put trust in you and surrender all to your will. Grant us the wisdom to navigate life with faith, knowing that you are in control of all things. Establish every step you take and let us find true peace and rest in your sovereignty. In Jesus' name, amen.